I wear a single ring between my two hands. I wear a single ring. Right? Simple ring. And so I want to talk about that as we begin this morning. Because you see, that ring is what? It is a symbol of a commitment of vows that were made between Kendall and I back in June 22, 2002. See, I do remember. Most guys don't remember. I do remember the exact date, where we were. I should get some brownie points for that. But anyway, it's a symbol. And so I want to talk about that this morning because what I'm going to preach and teach on, you're going to hear that come back up in the message. And so one of the things about this ring is, does this ring, you know, if I take this ring off, which I have at times, right, when I work out or when I do certain things or my fingers swell, I tend to take it off, right? So when I take it off, does that mean I'm not married anymore? No, right? Now, the ring that I originally wore when we got married, I never took it off. And I wore it so much that one day I went to grab a chair and do like this, and I popped it, and it broke, and I had it repaired. And then I swam. I did other things that you aren't supposed to do with certain rings, especially after they're repaired. And guess what? It broke again. I think I had it repaired. And then the third time, I took it, and they told me something insulting. They said, your ring has been compromised, and we're not going to fix it anymore. Now, there's other analogies that could be paired with that, that has my marriage been uh, easy? No. But through God's strength and God's help, he's gotten us through a lot. So, But this ring is simply a symbol. Remember that, the word symbol. And so this morning we are going through a series on the Great Commission. So in Matthew chapter 28, there Jesus is giving his disciples kind of his final message, his final thoughts as he prepares to ascend into heaven following his resurrection, following him defeating death. So if you will, take your copy of God's Word, and we're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 28. This message is a little bit differently, a little bit set up a little bit differently than some other messages, and you'll see why here in just a minute. We're going through a series of about five weeks of these particular verses that we're going to read. So, Cindy, I know you've been out a few weeks, so guess what? We, the way I'm preaching and teaching this, we kind of are going back, and we're touching on some of the things we've, the highlights, right? And why do I do that? I do that, one, for maybe people who are visiting, people who have been gone, but I also do that for myself. Right? Because those are truths that we just need to remember and we need to let soak in and we need to let sink in and us apply to our lives. So in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18, we'll read these words. You'll find these similar words in your copy of God's Word. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what we've literally been doing these last few weeks is kind of stepping through this. And I want to remind you this morning, I want you to remember that this is not a mere suggestion. This is not a mere suggestion. These are commands. And Jesus is calling us to fulfill this commission. And thus far, we've looked at two key words in this passage. We've looked at go and make. And today we'll look at our third. And so the first message that we shared is simply that. The first word of verse 19, it says go. 
Friends, when you know, you must go. So when you know Jesus, right, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then we must go. We must carry the gospel with us into our conversations, into our daily lives, into our workplaces, into our families, and into those conversations that we're having outside of Sunday morning. We're to go. Church is not the destination. Jesus didn't say come. He said go. Church is a place where we can gather each week to learn and worship together. Then we depart. We move. We go to love and to serve like Jesus. You see, go in this passage is actually not a command, but it is a present participle. So those of you that might be good with your English and your language arts... Right? What is the present participle? Jesus is in essence saying, as you are going, as you are going, take my word, take my love, be salt, be light, as you are going. So why are we to go? Why are we to go? Because Jesus commissions us to go. And we've talked about what, it's, what it means to be commissioned. It means we've been given power to perform various acts and duties, right? That we've been given the authority on the behalf of our Savior. That we're to be His hands, His feet, His love, His compassion, His forgiveness, His grace to those people He places in our path. See, Jesus' commission should be our mission. For the church as a whole and for each of our lives. Now last week we talked about that we have to make something. What are we to make? Jesus calls it, says right there, it says go. Therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's of all people, of all people groups, of everyone. Go and make disciples. In essence, we're to make students. And we said before, you can make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. Before you can make students of Jesus and help other people along, you have to be a student of God's Word yourself. We also said that disciples are made, not born. Disciples are made, not born. Look at what Jesus did. He took Matthew, who's writing this book, who was a tax collector, and he said, come and follow me. And he made Matthew a disciple. He made him a student. He saw Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He saw as Jesus ministered. And friends, that's what you and I are to do as well. We also mentioned that you need two ingredients. If we're going to make disciples, then we need two ingredients. What are those two ingredients? We need a process and we need people. We need a process and we need people. And so we have to look we have to look inwardly. When we come on Sunday mornings, we have to take an inward reflection of ourselves and of what we're doing as men and women of God, and we have to say, "Okay, God, is our disciple making ship? Is our disciple making process working?" Right? As a church as a whole, is it working? Are we making disciples? And then we have to ask ourselves, "Lord, do I have a process in place to be a student? Do I have a process in place in my own walk in life to learn more about you? And friends, it doesn't mean that you have to have some convoluted process. No. 
It just means finding time to get along with the Lord, to pray, to read His Word, to listen to a podcast, to listen to maybe another preacher, to listen to some program, something that's going to edify and build you up. There are so many devotionals. You can even go to Walmart and buy a devotional. Right? You can go to the olive tree and buy a devotional. Read something. Study something. Say, God, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? And so ultimately the main thing that we have to do is to be a student. And so as our message series titles and themes all start with the letter M. All five of these messages will start with the letter M. So first off, the first message that we shared was that we have to move. There has to be movement in the life of a Christian, in the life of the church. We have to move. Because why? Jesus says, go. Right? As you are going. There has to be movement in our lives. Then, next, we see that we have to make. We have to make disciples. And this morning, I want us to see that we have to mark believers. We have to mark believers. And so what does Jesus say? He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Listen, baptism marks a person's interest. Interest. It marks a person's interest into the faith community. It's a public statement of a private faith. So let's talk about this morning what baptism does and does not do. I'm going to start with what it does not do. Baptism does not save you. No. Baptism is not salvation, but a declaration of of salvation. There's nothing magical about it. It's not simply for a show, and we don't do it, God forbid, because it just feels right. That's what I feel like that I should do. No. So let's talk about what baptism does. What does baptism do? Baptism connects you with Christ. Right? You are identifying with the life and the death, the burial And praise God, the resurrection of Jesus. So baptism connects you with Christ. It purifies you. Right? It purifies you spiritually. It's not simply getting wet. Why? Because, friends, if if, if we were to baptize someone and they get wet and they step out of that baptism pool and they start walking around, what's going to happen? They're going to dry off. Right? It's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. Friends, when, we, when, when someone is, is baptized, it is a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for us. Right? As that person is there in those waters, they are buried with Christ. And so when they go underneath that water, they're buried in Christ. In that, that, that water becomes almost as if the tomb. And then we say what well, they are raised in newness of life. So you're buried with Christ and you're raised to newness in life. It's a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for you, but more importantly, what Jesus has done inside of you. It's a celebration. Going through those waters, you celebrate a union with Christ. As we baptize people, we celebrate their union. We're part of that celebration. We're thanking God. Thank you, God, that this this person, this individual has taken their next step towards you, that they've committed to a life of living for you, that they've accepted the payment of sin that you paid for them at Calvary. They could not pay for themselves. And praise God we're celebrating because they are showing that. It is 
They're showing that before people and they're doing that. Why? Not to be seen, but so that we can celebrate. And guess what? So that we can hold each other accountable. Because guess what? When someone is baptized, then we need to disciple them. Right? So often people will walk an aisle in so many churches and profess Christ and or be baptized. And then where are they to be found? They're not. Right? The pastor, the pastor can't do it all. The deacons, they can't do it all. If it's your friend, guess what? You need to follow up with them. You need to say, hey, Martha, man, you got baptized. Hey, tell me how you've been growing. What's the Lord been showing you since you've been baptized? How can I pray for you? Right? What, what are you studying? What can we study together? How can we learn and grow together? And baptism is a statement. Two parts of this. It's a statement. It's a statement because you have received salvation through Christ alone. You're adopted and you want to live as a child of the King. That's what you're saying whenever you're being baptized. And it says, I'm going to serve and to honor the Lord with my life. Can children be baptized? Absolutely. If they understand in a childlike faith what they're doing. Right? He says, come to me as, as if little children. Sometimes we overcomplicate things. If a child believes in their heart, confesses Christ with their mouth, they want to be baptized, praise God, but let's talk to them. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? I can step back for a minute and I think about my two boys, Caleb and Chandler, Right? Being twins, you always are being compared, right? Because you're twins, and people look at them, they're twins? Yes, they're twins. You know, you wouldn't know that by looking at them. They're not identical twins. But they're twins, and so here's the thing. We prayed for them, right? We prayed for them that they would have their own salvation experience. And I didn't want whenever one of them came that the other one would come on his coattail, right? Because we wanted it to be specific for them. We wanted it to be an inward transformation for them individually. And it was a time, and it did happen, and praise God, both of them were saved. One uh, was saved coming back from Turbyville when we ministered over there. We were coming back home, and thank God for the ones that had poured into him in, um, through Awana and other programs, right? Because he came and he said, well, I want to accept Christ. Well, praise God, when we got to my in-law's house, when we got back to town, we knelt as a family, and we prayed and asked God to, to be with Chandler and to accept that he realized and he wanted him to be his Savior, Right? What a beautiful picture. The other one, Caleb. Caleb's, Caleb's salvation experience will forever be so special to us. You know why? Because in the midst of a storm in our lives, through, uh, through an argument, through just chaos in our lives, that one night, Caleb said, I want to receive Christ. See, that's what Christ does is he calms the storm, as we've talked about before. Lord, calm your child or calm the storm. And so in the midst of the storm in our lives, what a beautiful thing came out of it that night that my child said, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. Right? And they've both been baptized, but they were baptized differently. They were baptized at different times because guess what? It was their experience. It wasn't what mom and daddy wanted. Chandler got baptized on Christmas, Christmas Day. We had gone to church that day, and they said, you know, anybody who wants to be baptized, be baptized. And Chan had kind of been waiting, and Chan said, I want to be baptized. And we're like, oh, we don't have any clothes. Well, you know, it's like, it's like, whatever. They're like, we got extra clothes for you. It's like, go for it, Chandler. But guess what? Caleb didn't come on his coattail, right? 
Caleb wanted to be baptized too. Caleb was baptized at the aquatic center at another baptism service. So it's specific to each and every one of us. So I want you to mark your place this morning in Matthew chapter 28. I want you to mark your place there, and I want us to turn back over to the book of Romans. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then the book of Romans. So if you will, turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I say it, and I, I can't ever get tired of hearing it. There's a beautiful sound to hear the pages of God's Word being turned by God's people. Amen? I love technology, but there's something about holding God's Word in our hand and flipping through the pages of His Word. What beautiful sound. So Romans chapter 6, we're going to look at a few verses here. Right, This falls under the heading of dead to sin, alive to God. So looking at verse 1 through 11, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been unified with him in a death like his, we will certainly be unified with him in a resurrection like his. Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For by death He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. Verse 11, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin, and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Y'all, baptism is an outward sign of an inward transformation. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward transformation. As I was studying, I read the following about the verses we're talking about this morning. And listen to what it says. It says, beginning with a participle, as you are going, Jesus used the imperative, make disciples of all nations. This command is followed immediately by baptizing them, showing that in this way they were identified to the world as his followers. If you will, turn with me over to the book of Ephesians. So find 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Then you'll find Galatians and then Ephesians. 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, and then Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at a few verses here. This falls under the heading of unity. Unity in the body of Christ. Also, this is the one chapter. One. O-N-E. One. Listen. I therefore, this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Well, we could camp out right here, but we won't. We'll come back to that maybe one day. 
eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is like sword drill, Bible drills this morning. Turn back over to the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2. Beautiful chapter of the beginning of the church. Acts chapter 2. We see that Peter has preached the day of Pentecost. 5,000 souls are added to the church. Would you not have liked to have been in that church service? That 5,000 folks were respond and receive Christ? But then at the end of his message, look at what he says. Chapter 2, verse 38. 38 and 39. And Peter said to them... Now, time out a second. Church signs can be cliche, but church signs outside of a church can also serve a purpose. One day I was riding to school and I read this church sign and it said, Have you ever read Acts 2.38 and understood it? So I set that context before we read this verse. Right, The church sign said, Have you ever read... Acts 2.38 and understood it. So look at what Peter says in Acts 2.38. And he said to them, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If there is no other verse in your Bible that is underlined other than John 3.16, Acts 2.38. Maybe if you're ministering to somebody, say, Hey friend, have you ever read Acts 2.38 and understood what the Lord is telling you to do? Beautiful picture, verse 39. And for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. The Lord is still calling people, amen? And the Lord is calling them to himself. Don't get in the way. Don't overcomplicate salvation. But let the, the Spirit of the Lord do His work. Turn with me over to chapter 22 of Acts. Acts chapter 22. This will be um, one of the last cross-references we look back. And then we're going back to Matthew chapter 28, I promise. But I want you to look at chapter 22. And this is where Paul is He's speaking to the people and he's telling his story. And then in verse 16, he's told his story. Acts chapter sixteen, uh, Acts chapter twenty-two, verse sixteen. Listen to what Paul um, Paul says. He says, "And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on His name. That's Jesus' name." So turn back with me to the um, book of Matthew, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, and I want you to see one more thing this morning, Matthew chapter twenty-eight. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name. Y'all say name. Name. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to know, friends. Nowhere in God's Word do we ever see the word Trinity. It is implied but it is found nowhere in Scripture. 
But as I was studying this verse, I was called to remembrance by one of the sources I was reading. And here Jesus says, be baptized in the name. He didn't say names in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. They are three, but they are one. Now, I can't fully explain that to you because guess what? If I could, then he wouldn't be God. But that's what we believe. We believe in a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There we see it. Jesus is telling the disciples, be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism. I love how when I'm preaching and teaching and preparing a message that God just orchestrates just the coolest things, whether it's in my Twitter feed or my Facebook feed or a text somebody sends me or something that happens in my life. And so last Sunday, I got invited to a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Kevin Massey. His son was being baptized. And so he said, hey, Chris, will you come? I'd like for you to take some pictures. And so, and uh, of course, they had a, mess, a message in the service before that, and he preached on baptism. And I said, well, praise God, I'm preaching on baptism next week. Hey, find me a pen. Let's see um, what I might could take and add to my message. But anyway, <clears throat> Kevin preached on baptism. And he talked about this notion of, think about it, today all, everybody has waterproof bags. Right? It's become a thing. When you go on the beach or you go by the pool, that you've got to have a waterproof bag to protect your wallet and to protect your phone. Right? And so then he began to tell a story about a preacher who was going to baptize a man. And he said, sir, he said, uh, how about put your wallet in your pocket? And he said, well, sir, I'm about to go underneath the water. He said, I would think that I would take it out of my pocket. And the pastor said, well, sir, see, see this way. If you put it in your pocket, he said, that's the last thing to usually be saved. So let's go ahead. And as we baptize you, you'll be baptized with your wallet. So you'll give. I don't Because <laughs> that's the last thing to be saved, right? Because why? Because God want, because when we talk about those, when we talk about those waterproof bags and, and, and I make that joke about that guy's wallet, why is that? Because when we follow Christ, when we're baptized, He wants all of us. He wants every part of our lives. Our wallets, our hearts, our minds, our hands, our feet. Right? He wants all of us. So you might be asking yourself this morning, what can I do? What can I do? You might have already been baptized, and praise God. But what can I do? Friends, you can keep going. You can keep going. When you know, you must go. Right? If you have devoted, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, He calls you to go. He doesn't just say, hey, pastors, y'all go. Y'all do all the work. Y'all do everything. Hey, deacons, <laughs> hey, we need y'all. Your deaconess, your servants, come on. You've got to serve. Yeah, that's true too. But it's all of us. All of us that have believed in Christ and confessed Him as Lord and Savior, He's calling all of us to go. So I tell you this morning, keep going. And I also tell you, keep making. Keep making disciples. Keep investing in people's lives. Keep studying God's Word together. Keep praying together. Keep, keep going. Keep having lunch with people. Keep trying to just make headway and, and to be salt. I didn't say take the whole salt shaker and pour it over somebody's head. No, that's not what you do when you eat salt. I don't eat salt. Usually it has to be prepared because I don't add it. But you just want to add a little bit, right? You don't want to dump the whole container like this, like you're adding sugar when most people do their coffee. No, you just want a hint of that salt. So be salt in people's lives. So I want you to keep going, I want you to keep making, and I want you to keep sharing. 
And you say, well, Chris, what am I supposed to share? Share your story. Right? Share what the Lord has done in your life. And keep pointing others to Jesus. Have you, have you been baptized? Right? Have you accepted the Lord as your Savior? So I want to ask you this morning, if you this is our baptism. So for those of you that may be visiting us with the, us this morning and might not ever know them, this is this is our baptism. This can be filled with water, and this is where we can baptize people, right? We don't have to do like back in Jesus' day, and we don't have to go down to the creek. We don't have to go down to the lake, but we can baptize people right here in our church, in this congregation, and we can celebrate with them. And so I want to ask you this morning. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, and if you have been baptized, how are people seeing a change in your heart? How are people seeing a change in your heart? Guys, live a changed life. Ask God to change you from the inside out. And so this morning, I step into this baptismal for several reasons. I want you to know where it is. I want you to pray. I want you to pray that these waters, that this this baptismal might be filled with baptismal waters again. And so I asked this question this week. I, I asked and I said, you know, when was the last time that we baptized somebody at Bible Fellowship Church? Right? And some of you might know because it might have involved you or your family. But in March of 2017, a year and a half ago, three folks... Three folks were baptized a year and a half ago. So then, me being me, I, I love to ask questions. Okay, we baptized three people a year and a half ago. When, do, when did we baptize before that? Four and a half years. Four and a half years prior to that. But what a beautiful thing it was that Terry and her family were baptized together. Right? Right before her son passed away, what a beautiful thing that they could be baptized as a family. So in six years, if I have the numbers right, that's seven people that have been baptized. But let's go back to the ones that were baptized a year and a half ago. Praise God for those ones that were baptized. Praise God for for an interim pastor that you had before me, Pastor Billy, that he was praying for these waters to be filled again. That he was praying that the, the, the drain might be fixed so that the water, so it could be filled with waters again. He was praying because he had somebody who was interested in being baptized. And to this day, we think we know who it is, but they, they haven't come for, they haven't come and said, I want to be baptized. But friends, when I came into this ministry of Bible Fellowship and I told God I came for a very specific reason because you guys needed somebody to love you and to encourage you in a time and a season where you had lost someone who was doing just that. I said, God, I can do that. I can, I can show up and try to preach. I can show up and try to pe- love. And I can show up and, and just try to be some consistency in their lives. And so I call you this morning. I want to call you to prayer, whether it is where you are or whether if you can't come and kneel, we have the altar. 
If you can, kneel, come and stand. But I want to I want to call us this morning to pray that these waters might be filled. Because you know why? In 78 weeks, last time, a year and a half ago, 78 Sundays have gone by. And there's been no water in this baptismal pool. Right? Are we praying that God might move and that lives might be changed? Because, friends, I think when we look out and we look and we say, are we making disciples? I think we are in some ways, but 78 weeks have gone by. My prayer this morning is that it wouldn't be another four and a half years or another year and a half before these waters are filled again. So I invite you this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed, I invite you this morning, if you will, Miss Betsy is going to play for us. And I want to invite you, will you come and, and kneel at this altar and just pray that this series that we're going through, that, that God might begin to stir and to work within our own hearts. That He might bring people into the, this church to hear the gospel, to hear that there is hope. And then will you pray that, that we'll continue to make disciples. But will you pray this morning very specifically that these waters might be filled again. That we can celebrate with someone who takes their next step in baptism. And what a beautiful picture that is. And so I call you this morning. Will you just join me in prayer wherever you might be if you would like to come to the altar. If you'd like to come and to gather around this baptismal and just to pray and to ask God to move. I would just, as Miss Betsy plays, will you come?